This this here string of things going the wrong way. <laughs> oh man! Greetings, everybody. Welcome to a Christian and an atheist walk into a bar. I am your host, Jay. Don't tell me I didn't evolve from no monkey, Stooksberry. And with me is my partner in crime, Ty. Wait till Eve gets a load of these ribs, gallon back. <laughs> and we're doing something a little special today. Uh, we actually have a third person at the table, which uh, we've always been a duo, so now we're the three musketeers now. Uh, I want to introduce Nathan Clay, who is a close friend of ours, who is also a fan of the podcast. Uh, and when we were in search of a, a good first guest, uh, he was the first person we thought of, who also was willing to do it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, which, you know, there's a lot of people we'd like to invite, but Lord knows if they'd actually reply to us. Right. But uh, I wanted to introduce him because he's a, he's a good friend. He's a, he's a smart guy, and he's also uh, a, a good beer drinker friend, too. So, Nathan, do you want to... Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Thank yourself. you both for having me on. It's wonderful to be here. I am a good friend of the pod and, and a big fan as well. I, uh, I think you guys are doing really good stuff, um, specifically from a... A civil conversation standpoint, that means a lot to me. Um, in my just my personal life, it's a really good thing that we need to try to practice more. So. Yeah. yeah, that's what we're all about. Creating conversation around good beverages. Mm-hmm. So uh, tonight, let's start with beverages, mm-hmm. of course. Um, so Nathan, guess first. What are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking uh, one of my standbys. I really appreciate the Odell Brewing Company and every beverage that they create. And this is the IPA. I like all ales, uh, especially in the winter months. And I think Odell is a very consistent uh, brewery. Um, Mm-hmm. Very good across the board, but this is the IPA, and I really do enjoy it. Yeah, their IPA is one of my favorite IPAs ever, for sure. Yeah, Odell's is a good go-to. Yeah. Um, I am drinking the uh, Telluride Face Down Brown Ale, which is kind of one of my go-tos also. Um, I'm not usually a huge fan of Browns or uh, Telluride, for all that matter, but hey, I... Hey, <laughs> hey. Sorry. <laughs> Hopefully, none of Ty's employers listen to this. Uh, but I, I genuinely really like this beer. Um, it's just, it's nice and easy. Um, I like the design of the can. I like the just the, the overall taste of it. And it was when I opened up Ty's cooler, it was the first one I saw that I was like, "Yep, that'll work." There you go. Yeah. Uh, and I'm drinking a hot toddy because. Kids have germs, <laughs> and so and soon, so will we. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll be passing out hand sanitizer yeah. at the end of this episode. That's, that's for sure. That's why Ty is on the other side of the table of us too, and we're in a bubble. Actually, yes, you yes. can't see it right now. They can't see anything, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> Still a podcast. I keep Still forgetting a podcast, that. So. <laughs> oh. So we kind of kicked around different ideas uh, for the show, um, but I think before we dive into the actual concept, Nathan, give us a little background, um, who you are, Mm -hmm. why it interests you to be here. Well, so I grew up in the same community as Ty. Um, uh, It's been something that... Um, you know, has been on my my mind for a long time. I moved away for a long time. I moved to Las Vegas, Nevada for like 18 years and then moved back, brought my family back um, home, as I would say, for a lot of really good reasons. Um, it's a very good community. It does have its problems, as does any, but this is a really, really good place, especially to raise a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that I took for granted when I was a kid. I was probably kind of a jerk when I was a kid. Maybe, um, maybe not, I don't know, maybe not so much, but, but probably so. And uh, so a lot of things kind of, you know, as they do hit you as you grow older and have children and things and you realize what's truly important in life and community, um, family, and making sure that my children had every opportunity um, became more important than anything else. And so we moved back to a small town and I don't regret it at all. Um, 
in terms of what the pod attracts, uh, what what attracts me to the pod, I think is, um, I've been a Christian my whole life, I guess. Um, you know, yes. with, to varying well, to varying <laughs> degrees, you fluctuate. You fluctuate at different times. Sure. Sometimes you feel stronger. Um, sometimes you don't feel as strong, and I think that's a natural thing for anyone to go through in any journey. Um, but yeah, I've been a Christian my whole life. I went to the Methodist church my whole life. I go to the same Methodist church now that I went to uh, when I was a kid. Um, when I was in Las Vegas, I did a lot of kind of shopping around, I guess you could call it, um, going back and forth um, and learning a lot about different things, Buddhism um, and different uh, denominations in Christianity, um, just trying out a whole slew of different churches. Um, and when I came back and went to the church that I grew up in, maybe it's that kind of autonomic response, but something really just felt right. Um, it does a lot of community outreach, which is very important to me. It's very it's a downtown church, so to say, so it's right in the middle of the city center. And uh, it just means a lot to me to kind of bring my kids back to something that was so important to me as a child. So I guess... Um, that really interests me, and as I said uh, just a minute ago, I really am passionate about creating more civil discussion. Um, I think a lot of people these days tell their children or tell their peers or tell their work colleagues, we can't talk about religion, we can't talk about politics. Those are the two off-limit things. And to me, those are the two most important things that we can possibly discuss. To talk about religion well, we need to be able to talk about politics well, rather than just totally eliminating those possibilities. So that's why I really appreciate what you guys do. Plus, you're stand-up guys and you drink beer. So what do you like about any of that? Right. So, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure all of our guests are going to come for one reason and one reason only. Yeah. Bottom line is yes. there's free alcohol. Okay. <laughs> I'll, sh- I'll show up for that. So, so then one question before we transition. Um, when you were looking at churches in Vegas, did mm-hmm. any of them have Elvis leading this the, <laughs> the, the, the sermon? No, oh. there was no Elvi church. <laughs> no, no Elvis church. Um, although that would probably have caught my eye. More than official, there's no church for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the, it's you done. almost it's, had me. Yeah. The decision has been made. No, I mean that would probably would have been. Something that, that would probably really catch on, I guess. Well, <laughs> well, I mean, there are churches with Elvis because he marries right. thousands of people right. a week. That's true, he does. I don't know that they have a Sunday service that's going right. to feed my <laughs> feed my yeah. my desire to try to expand my humanity or whatever. Uh, that's funny. Uh, so we did grow up in the same community, uh, yep. and I remember just. For Jay's sake, to look back and you know put this in a pocket oh somewhere. <laughs> yeah. oh Actually, the only thing I remember from high school is the high school news channel that yeah. you put on. Um, yeah. Which, looking back now, like there were some guys that made it fairly successful from pretty yeah. humble beginnings out of that. Because you sure work professionally so. in video, videography, something. I do, yeah, yeah, I do. I I did reality television for a lot of years. Um, I filmed all kinds of movies. I got my degree in film, okay. um, which does nothing for anybody. No. Well, it's working out <laughs> all right it is for kind you. Of working out okay. Now I produce conventions, corporate events. Basically, I'm a I'm a corporate lackey yeah. that um, makes the CEOs look like. Not jerks. Which is not always hard. But, and, uh, so you're yeah. a magician too. All right. <laughs> Certainly, yeah, the, yeah. That that we did ten minutes every day on that on that, and about half of it was dedicated to the announcements and kind of a sports segment, and then half of it was uh, five minutes was watching Nathan or one of his friends look like a moron. So. Yeah, and it was hilarious. Like I still remember it all these years later. Got so it. yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, it was that. So, uh, I would say, I mean, so you talked about growing up in a church, Methodist yep. church, same church. I got married in the church you're referencing. Oh, okay, um, cool. oh wow. Yeah. So the church. the church I was actually going to um, didn't have 
a building at the time, and oh, so okay. we picked the most beautiful church in Delta, yeah, and that's you it. Have a really it's nice little church. It is. Yeah, it's um, over 100 years old at this point, so that's kind of interesting, a little bit of history there, but yeah, it's really nice. Yeah, and this, yeah, there, we could talk. It's a beautiful, you know, multi-tiered, stained glass, just classic. Uh, but I would say, you know, going to Vegas, I've spent my time in Vegas, but I would say, based on how you grew up, it's very likely that your views on Christianity and religion and all those things have changed since growing up in that church. Certainly. Yeah, certainly so. Um, yeah, certainly so. So I grew up going to church camp and all that kind of stuff. Um, Met- the Methodist denomination tends to be a little bit more progressive than other mainstream denominations, um, just as a whole. Um However, it's a small town, right? and you grew up with a lot of old people, and they tend to kind of direct the uh, tone of uh, the church and how it, it behaves and how it speaks. And so, as a consequence, I think it was, you know, it was fairly conservative um, denominationally as when I was a kid. Um Searching around certainly changed me in a way that I think was very beneficial. Um, as you kind of do when you get out of the nest, you tend to want to explore different different mindsets and different ideas. And that was certainly my M.O. when I went to college. I wanted to learn about all kinds of different things. And religion uh, just was one of those. And it's always been a favorite topic of mine. Um, and... So yeah, I guess just going to all those different uh, services and seeing different um, liturgical practices was really eye-opening. Um, what I liked, mostly what I didn't like. Um, Vegas tends to be a very evangelical town, and there's no judgment there, just not for me. Um, it's something that I have a difference of opinion with there. So it wasn't that I didn't you know, respect those churches and their autonomy or their specific viewpoint, it just wasn't for me. Um, and you guys have mentioned that on the pod in the past about how, you know, some things speak to you personally and some things don't. And you have to kind of follow that that self-truth. Um, but, yeah, I mean, massive changes in my own, my own personal viewpoints. And uh, I've... Uh, I've you know, I've continued to grow. I guess that's the main thing. I just think growth and opinion and perspective uh, cannot be uh, valued enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And I, uh, I came into contact with Nathan probably what a year ago. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, just a happenstance uh, exchange online. I think is kind of how it started, didn't it? Sure. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, probably a few beers involved with that. <laughs> sure. But either well, way, it's un- undoubted. But we uh, we we uh, we shared a, a common interest in politics, which is the other topic that you'd mentioned is a, an interest of yours. Yeah. Um, and uh, Nathan is also running for city council. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so there is. Uh, he's not running in opposition to me. So we could still be buddies and still have beers, uh, but no, we're we're uh, hopefully going to be sitting uh, around the the table um, here in the next couple of months uh, for what I think we we share. We're uh, maybe some differences and broader topics, but I think base principles were pretty uh, well in tuned, um, and I, I actually really grown to appreciate having you around and having you as a sounding board for a lot of different things too. So I was uh, always like having someone to bounce a text message off of if I'm being outlandish or crazy because I I have that tendency sometimes. (laughs) For bouncing ideas for what we wanted to talk about, we wanted to try to at least give our guests that opportunity to kind of drive that conversation. Um, and Nathan came up with a lot of great ideas, but I think we all kind of picked on one that came out of that that batch. So Nathan, do you want to kind of give that, introduce it, and sure. Okay, before he does that, okay, I just want you to know. He said you gave a lot of good ideas. He sent me two. Oh. 
I might have given three. Okay, three. all right. Or at least three. One, I just, one I just of which was sure. like, far <laughs> less good than the other two. Okay, all right. <laughs> so on with the good one here. So the, the, the one that I pitched that I do feel really strongly about that's very interesting to me and, and seems to be def, uh, very defining, um, a defining characteristic of both sides of this particular debate um, is creation versus evolution. Mm-hmm. Um and so many people, I think, get hung up on this particular point, and it seems to be a huge sticking point that, or maybe a hurdle is a better way to put it, but a, a huge hurdle for people to to really uh, traverse, and it seems to really kind of shut down a lot of conversation, um, and I think that's silly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I would say it's one of the, it's definitely a polarizing topic. Right. And it's interesting that it can polarize within the Christian community mm-hmm. and within Christian and atheist mm-hmm. and within atheist community. Right. Like you can get all everybody against each other on this topic. Right. So right. Which I look forward to fighting with all of you guys <laughs> on this. Which I imagine is gonna happen. Civil right? debate. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I love how Nathan's like, I'm gonna show up, I'm gonna do this topic. We're not gonna hold any punches. Like we're just getting after it. <laughs> yeah. right. So there we are. No, it's, I I, uh, I completely agree with you. Um, I I think it's important too to even just like start off that conversation of what people mean, or and, and I'll maybe I'll kind of speak to the, the evolution part of it since I'm the atheist and that's the only thing I believe in, right? <laughs> uh, is the uh, what does that exactly mean, and what claims does uh, the theory of evolution actually make? So, I mean, just from, I'm not going to go into a deep dive of origin of species here or anything like that, but the theory of evolution deals specifically with how uh, uh, millions and millions of years of, of natural uh, growth and changes in species and genetic code has passed along and adaptations has occurred uh you know, over the course of, of history that we can't even document, um, and the claims associated with that have been consistent from a scientific perspective. Uh, but the I think the one thing that a lot of people get hung up on is that uh, evolution makes no claims about a supernatural world at all. It deals specifically and entirely with a natural world. Um, so... The claims made about, uh, you know, creation of the universe from a um, monotheistic perspective or whatever religious perspective you want to associate with, uh, that's an entirely separate conversation. So, um, at least in my opinion, obviously you share that too, uh, that these are not mutually exclusive claims being made. And I don't understand why we have this like just non-stop incessant debate about which is the which is the truth you know uh because i think uh they um they they are dealing with entirely different claims um and they work in entirely different realms um, and I don't know why there's this, um, uh, this again, this tribal essence to you have to pick one. Yeah, I mean, certainly um, I think a couple of key points that you touched on there are unfathomable amounts of time. Right. Um, so uh, here uh, I'll show a little bit of my hand and how Christianity has changed in my opinion or I have changed it as a view of Christianity. I am what you would, I'm not what you would call a Bible literalist. I don't believe that Genesis literally accounts for the actual creation. First of all, there are two different accounts of creation within the first two chapters of Genesis. Mm -hmm. You could also say that the first chapter of John in the New Testament gives a third account of creation as well. Um, And so you have to be able to take those with a grain of salt um, and to me, a creator deity that can move in imperceivable segments of time over hundreds of 
billions of years um, is actually far more impressive than someone who can snap their fingers and in six days have everything just locked down. Mm -hmm. um, the, the scope of time that we're talking about is, like you said, unfathomable. And so that to me is a crucial point. Secondly, um, they're not mutually exclusive. Um, many well, many, many, many well-respected scientists have have gotten to the point of even Darwin himself. You mentioned Origin of the Species, and he gets to the point of saying, "And then I can't go any further back, right? Because at some point, this kind of just starts, mm -hmm. and we don't know what that is, right? And we could certainly find out what that is, essentially in the future, or, or eventually in the future, I mean, but." Um, <clears throat> Right now, we don't know what that is. We don't know what that... We have theories about, you know, electrified slimes and these kind of things that have created the first the first single-celled organisms and that kind of stuff. And, and that is that is just as likely as, as again, a creator deity snapping his fingers and, and having six days to, to lay down everything. And right. so... And you actually made a really important distinction that I should have referenced, too, is that uh, there is one claim that does butt up against evolution and a kind of a religious point of view, and that is the evangelical 4,000-year-old uh, mm -hmm. earth Certainly claim. Right. You know, I, yeah. think, I think that's, that's, those are, uh, those are very exclusive claims. Moses tamed the dinosaurs kind of a thing. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, or there was no dinosaurs. There was no, no dinosaurs. Satan put yeah. the dinosaur bones for us in the ground to distract yeah. us. That's right. So we yes. talk about dinosaur bones and Satan. Certainly, the uh, infallible nature of the Bible means a lot to some people, and I think that is, to me, that is, I, I just can't get on board with it. Um, right. So then that leads you down a road to question all kinds of things that exist in the Old Testament. Um, I find that probably the New Testament exists in much more reality than the Old Testament. And certainly, the, the very ancient. Um, parts of the Old Testament uh, draw especially heavy questioning, I think, um, and rightly so. They're passed down. It was oral tradition for many, many generations on tribes that, by its own admission, wandered in the desert and had all kinds of problems. And so the infallibility of the Bible to me is absolute, absolutely something that I have... Um, I have all faith... <laughs> which may seem like a contradiction. I have all faith that the Bible itself is a, an interpretation of the history of mankind, especially in those early parts of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So yes, I think that Genesis itself is a, is a story, just like the story exists in the Epic of Gilgamesh, just like the flood story exists in all kinds of different realms and different literature throughout uh, antiquity. We have to take that for what it is. That's history. Um, now, does that mean that God isn't real? Certainly not. To me, I believe that those two things can exist in in, in compatibility. I, I think that they can. You can have one foot in both camps. Mm -hmm. um, I guess to boil it down, I believe that the Big Bang and there shall be light are exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's just about how you interpret the, the, the steps that follow. Um, and quite frankly, what's written down in Genesis is kind of a requisite of how life would form. Um, it just didn't happen in six days. Are you sure? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, we definitely fall on the very similar side in this uh, from a Christian perspective. Um, I think the only thing that I, where I would differ is that if you, if you're putting your life stake in a book, um, and basing it, I'm going to lean a little more to, it is entirely divinely inspired. Um, but with that being said, the one, the one thing that you said that I just took note of was, you know, you got to take Genesis with a grain of salt. And my opinion would be, you don't have to take Genesis with a grain of salt. You have to take it for what it is. And if you look at, you know, Hebrew text and Hebrew literacy and how it was written, it was written as a poem. 
it's written as artistic, and so it's not written as they would have written down facts and all of those kind of things. And so if you take it as a story, like you said, I would agree with that completely, and you take it as this you know, image that they are trying to portray, you're not taking anything away from the creation story and how... You know, if if there's a divine being, I don't want to know how he created stuff. I don't want to be able to wrap my head around that because yeah, yeah. I think that takes away from who he is. Certainly, so. putting God in a box, I would say. Oh that my is. gosh! So yeah. If well, you if you can, it, it, I would I would agree totally, Ty. And there is there is a there is a certain um, point at which you say that this is a story, and then there's a certain point at which you say this is literal truth. Right. And I think that's where the differentiation comes. And at that point, you also mm-hmm. are into, able to entertain things like the the history of the world as it, we know it, and the expansion of the universe as we know it, and all of these different scientific um, understandings of how the universe works and one completely discounts those and the other takes into consideration those and so that's where it stands and i totally agree and i think there's it's really it is a combination of both because if you look at you referenced it um oral traditions and how they translate into a literal tradition um that's how a lot of those stories take place i mean like you said it's it's like a poem i mean you go into the iliad and odyssey these the the way that oral traditions were built upon is that they're easily memorized and memorized have to have like a rhythm to them they have to have rhyming schemes and things like that so that way you can carry on those stories for for you know infinite generations so yeah i think it is a combination of of allegory um some historical context and and you might be opposed to this word but mythology built into it all all in the same sort of bundle package basically not at all i think mythology speaks to humanity's um trying to trying to cope with understanding the world around them yeah that's all mythology is we right. we look at the world around us i mean we there are certain cultures throughout the world that thought that the god of the sun was leaving us at the end of the day and we had to really make atonement for the moon not to attack the earth and then oh thank thank heavens the sun came back again another day and and when and we don't we have do, to sacrifice people, we don't anymore. have to sacrifice. But yeah. when you when you don't when you understand that it's a sphere of burning gas rather than a, a helios disc that's looking down upon you, it makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. But that's how science works, and we continue to challenge things around us and understand further the, the nature of our surroundings. And right. and certainly it's mythology. Um, but to those early men, those were almost indistinguishable. Mythology and reality were mm-hmm. one thing uh, many times uh, earthquakes volcanoes mm-hmm. um, you know all these things were un uh, you know unknowable to them they were unfathomable they couldn't wrap their heads around them because they didn't have plate tectonic theory they didn't have they didn't have the layers of the stratosphere and atmosphere that they understand contributed to the weather patterns they didn't have the understanding of the uh, Currents in the oceans contributing to weather patterns, or the moon, you know, gravitational pull of the moon moving the very seas. They just thought that stuff's going to come up and swallow our little town. We need to, we need to make sure that we don't have that happen. Um, <laughs> so then, uh, so while kind of on that that topic of of um, you know scientific inquiry and its relationship to this particular uh, you know, viewpoint of the origins of the world. Uh, in a modern context, then, uh, we've, we've already kind of established the point that we don't necessarily think that evolution and creation are these mutu- they're not mutually ex- exclusive topics. Um, but I think where, where the real conversation breaks down, then, is how does it, how is it taught? Um, so what's your viewpoint then in terms of, uh, does there need to be like a fairness doctrine with that where you have to give equal airtime to evolution and creation in the classroom? Does it belong in a scientific environment? You know, what's your, what's your take on that? Um, for me, science is empirically proven throughout time. Um, Christianity, like any religion, is a faith-based choice. Mm-hmm. Um, Christianity is based on a Jewish history. 
and that Jewish history is extremely ancient. And so while Jesus existed in a Jewish culture, um, and let me just say, I fully believe that Jesus of Nazareth walked this earth, and I fully believe that he was the most enlightened person ever to walk the face of the earth, and I fully believe that that indicates divine inspiration. Um, the finer points of that, I think, are, are debatable by anybody. At what point did he become divine? Was it when he was baptized by John the Baptist? Was it when he was conceived? Those are all debates within Christianity itself. So it's not like we're, it's not like this is a new, a new topic on exactly how divine. I mean, we we all say Jesus was fully human and fully divine, um, and I think that's true. Um, and that is a mystery of faith. And to me, there are so many mysteries in the natural world as well. But why do they have to exclude one another? So to answer your question, I think that if you want your child to learn about uh, Christian doctrine, that is perfectly fine, and that's your choice. You need to choose a school um, that that speaks to that. I think that the theory of evolution, while not empirically able to be proven, uh, has much more scientific method behind it. And I think the scientific method can be empirically proven. However, it continues to disprove itself. Albert Einstein didn't believe in the existence of black holes. Well, now we know that that's, that's true. Those things exist out there. The universe continues to expand at an unknowable rate, um, or at a kind of a noble rate, but, but in different parts and different rates. And so we continue to disprove old science, and that is the nature of the scientific method. And Correct. so for public school... I firmly believe in a separation of church and state. I believe that um, church and theology and faith is one thing that should occupy a very large portion of your life because I don't. I think that if you don't consider heavily um, the ramifications of a spirit, I believe that so many things are connected to what some people would call the Holy Spirit. I tend to just think of it as the universe. The universe exists around us and inside of us. Um, we know that all kinds of particles from all over the universe bombard the earth all the time. Well, maybe that's how the Spirit of God interacts with us. Um, no one can empirically disprove that either. Um, so, so these things that are somewhat nebulous and unprovable by science, I think, believe belong in the realm of faith. And that probably is more important on an individual level than than really believing in science because at some at some point you have to decide for your own self what your own truth is and that's an extremely important uh, choice and an extremely important journey that you need to go down whether you be a Christian a Muslim a Buddhist you have to understand what your relationship with the universe is and science can help you understand that. But the greater, the greater choice, in my opinion, is what is, what is beyond this? What else is out there? And I think science firmly would say, we don't know. We are always learning new things. Mm -hmm. um, so while I don't believe that heaven is riding around in the clouds and I don't believe that God is an old man with a long white beard sitting on a chair, <laughs> there certainly is something else out there. And how we interact with it is the definition of how we interact with one another. And that is the most important, uh, the most impactful choice and imp impactful uh, opinion that you can hold in, in your life, I think. Yeah. I think on that line of you know what what should be taught and what you know in a school setting uh i th i think it should be taught all of it um yeah. don't don't make it don't make it a faith-based decision make it a okay here here are the world views that exist in this day and age Here's the changes that they've developed and present those in a way to let kids and students and I say kids, which goes through college now because I'm old, but, uh, you know, let, let them take a look at that stuff. Let them figure it out. Let them come to their own conclusions, do their own research, but give them everything. 
Like I, I think you know we started off by saying you know one of the failures of our generation is our inability to talk about religion and politics. Bring that up in school. Like don't don't present any one side, but if if you believe that religion hasn't played an important role in the society we exist in today, mm -hmm. you're just as ignorant as someone that mm -hmm. believes the earth is 4,000 years old. Um, but you've got, you, you got to just present it. And it, if you're in a public school setting, regardless of your beliefs on that situation, just lay it all out there. Like put it all out there and let people start to dive in and dig in. I don't think there's any greater service an educator can do than to give someone the power of figuring out something for themselves. I'd be fully on board with that. I totally agree. I totally agree. Oh, it would be a hard class to teach, but, but, yes. but just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. Right. I totally agree, Ty. And yeah. I think uh, ultimately um, one, of the, one of the shortfalls of our own culture, too, is a lack of literacy in other people's religion and We're other or, or cultures yeah. or things of that, you know, so, um, you know, even, even for a staunch, um, church state separation advocate such as myself, um, I still would be in favor of like world religion classes being right. available, you know, um, because I think the, uh, one of the most consistent, bridge gappers that I've always experienced in, um, or at least conflict resolution type, uh, activities is having people being exposed to other cultures, other people and humanizing it as much as possible. Because uh, at the end of the day, if you don't, if you don't get them during the day, they're going to go home to, um, all sorts of different perspectives and all sorts of kind of media sensationalism that, that really does its job at driving a wedge in, in between cultures and, um, and does a pretty damn good job at mm -hmm. it too. And we see it, we're seeing the, the result of it and uh, especially in this past election and most likely in future elections as well. Um, so I, I do think that there is some value in, in um, bombard, it's, it's kind of an all or nothing sort of viewpoint, you know. Uh, and you do need to have people have a greater uh, exposure to these different worldviews and, and different opinions and different theories and different philosophies that they can make an educated decision on their own, you know, because I think ultimately that's, that's what faith or lack of faith really is, is people arriving at that decision after hopefully discerning on their own and, and right. weighing their own world experiences and weighing the, uh, you know, opinions or, you know, thought leaders that they find uh, solace with at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. anyone that takes knowledge uh, as fact in today's day and age without questioning it or investigating it on some sort of level yeah. is doing a huge disservice to themselves and their fellow man. Right. Uh, cause there's just so much information that is just thrown out. Right. Um, the more you, the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know. Yeah, ab mm -hmm. absolutely. And so I think so often we try to be afraid, you know, especially in a small town like this. If you, if you said there was a teacher that was going to teach about Moose law, you know, it, about anything is law. Like I just said that funny, but, yeah, it's okay. um, you know, if, if there was a teacher that was going to be teaching, even if it was a, Hey, we're going to teach Christianity, Buddhism, all these things, right. there'd be a riot, yeah. like more so than when, Gideon Bibles got handed right. out. Like when us atheists started yeah. infiltrating yeah. the school, There's satanic coming books. <laughs> and that I still a, wish I had one of those. Uh, I know, I me know. too. There'd be a collector's item, <laughs> and that is a giant shame. It's a huge shame that that in communities like this, and certainly we can't say that this is uh, the only place in the world where that would take place. And like likewise, we can't say that there aren't communities in the world that don't approach us with the better sensibility oh, I 100 percent think there are yeah it's just how do these so for us how do we transition our 
little community here into being a little bit more available to uh, progressive thought or open-mindedness is probably a better way to say it. And I, you know, I have my theories, but uh, it's not easy, and it's certainly not going to be a one-size-fits-all solution. You know, and, and it really, honestly. I believe that it boils down to conversations like this. Uh, yeah, that, that was my solution. That's what. That's why we started <laughs> yep. this, you know. And I think it's 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 twofold for me because I'm I'm the minority here. Uh, why uh, how that how that happens is also people becoming more exposed to these these quote unquote atheists that yeah. uh, that they. You know, when people ask me about that, it's like, well, yeah, I'm an atheist, but I'm also a husband, a father, yeah. a business owner, a potential city councilman. You know, I, I try to show that it's not – I'm, I'm just as a regular dude as anybody else, um, and I care about this community just as anybody else, and I want to see our community thrive. I want to create a community that my uh, – that I'm – proud to bestow upon my own child as well and someplace where he can thrive where there's opportunity and choice as well and when you get when you talk about it in that perspective then people are like oh well you're just like you know one of us you know (laughs) and and then but I, i don't i've never i would say my the interactions i've had where people are are off put about me being an atheist are rare right well, and, and maybe they talk behind my back. I don't know. But I don't think that actually happens. I think there's actually a lot of genuine people yeah. that see that if you're putting an effort out there to be a good person, but also not, you know, hiding who I am, you know, because that's part of the reason why I've decided to be more um, more vocal about my identity as an atheist because I never really said anything about it before because of what you said. You just, you just don't talk about it. You know, it's not right. it's not good table manners to talk about it. And then I just realized, like, I need to humanize being an atheist. You know, I need people to realize that I'm just, like you said, just a regular dude. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that it makes me, like, this special person at all or anything, but I think... That's my effort in trying to draw our community into a much more civil discourse is being open about that, um, but also still being open to engage with everybody as well because that's the only it's the only way we're going to get along is if we talk. Right. And if, go ahead, Todd. Uh, I, I was just going to say, I think the key word you said there was expose. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anytime you're exposed to differences at, at whatever level. I mean, you could you could make a really good analogy to food or drink at this point and just how many people say, "Ah, oh, no, that's disgusting." Well, have you ever tried it? Mm-hmm. No, 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 but it's it's gr- mm-hmm. like, "Uh, you know, Muslims, uh, disgusting. <laughs> like, have you ever have you ever talked to one? No, 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 no. no. But yeah. like, they eat with their hands. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and so that idea of just exposing, and I think that's the biggest question to a community like this, is how do you expose them to stuff that is, mm-hmm. it's not going to be here for ten years. It's not going to be here for twenty years. Uh, it may never come into this community. Um, and if it does, it'll be so minute that most people won't interact with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And to draw a little parallel there, I would say that if there was one thing that Jesus of Nazareth was about, it was exposing people to truths that they didn't necessarily want to, <laughs> to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was he was doing essentially what you were talking about. He was making people think about their choices. Um, Are you comparing me to Jesus? I was like, he just well, called you Jesus. Yes. I, I'm comparing the motives. I'm done. I'm, I'm comparing. <laughs> Jay's gone. <laughs> Drop the mic. This just became a Christian I'm, and <laughs> and a Methodist <laughs> and an empty chair. <laughs> no, but I'm comparing the motives. I'm yeah. I'm comparing the motive. I'm comparing that that that. Jesus was absolutely trying to make people think twice about the things that they had taken for granted for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And um, and just to simmer you down there, Jay, <laughs> I, I think that 
I think that Ty and I, as Christians, are also trying to get people to think about the things that they take to take for granted about Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, you know, from what I've heard on the pod, you guys are very, um, very thought-provoking, and, and that's the whole point, right? Making people think, mm-hmm. and, and that was certainly what what Jesus walked around doing at a constant rate. I mean, that was his whole life was challenging people's notions of of what exactly their belief is. Right. Oh, well, you really do believe that? Well, did you think about this? And that was a really, really hard thing for for Judaism at that time to face up to because they were, I mean, you know, then you go into history, it's, it's the Roman influence and the millennia of stagnation and um, uh, not being able to get out of their own shell and being beholden to these ridiculous laws that that, that he took extreme umbrage with. And mm-hmm. So, you know, and I think the other thing too is just remaining humble as well like if you're going down that path of trying to expose people to uncomfortable uh, conversations about truth or whatever the, how you want to characterize it <clears throat> you still at the end of the day just say like well what do you think about that what do you think about that I don't know mm-hmm. like having the, at least the comfort and the the, um, the the confidence to say I really don't know I think that's kind of the the thing that is lacking a lot of the days, and you referenced it earlier, is that science can take you to a certain point, you know, as, as human knowledge is concerned, science has replaced more, more myth than myth has replaced science over the course of human history. But there's a certain point, though, where scientists stand at you know the edge of our flat earth and look over the edge and they say i i i, I don't there know where go. it goes from here you there know? lie the monsters yeah. <laughs> there there be the monsters because right. we can't we can't see the other side and then all of a sudden we sail around the other side and then we discover some new things mm-hmm. yeah. yeah there is a book called the language of god um, and it's by a man named francis s collins francis collins was the lead scientist on the Human Genome Project. And so Francis Collins was an atheist that devoted his life to... I'm not trying to inspire you, Jay, you're pushing it. <laughs> Francis Collins was the was an atheist that was on the, the, the Human Genome Project, the lead scientist, essentially mapping the human genome. This right. is a brand new technology as of 15 years ago where, you know, 30 years ago we didn't understand the difference between DNA and RNA, and all of a sudden when that when that... Uh, when that differentiation became apparent and they understood the the, the twisted helix um, nature of of our our very existence, um, we started to be able to map it and to understand these genomes that produced certain things like red hair or blue eyes. Um, well, Francis Collins came to the realization that DNA was essentially the blueprint that God created for everything in the world, everything in the universe for that matter. He could know, he could not stop at the edge of our solar system, certainly, because we understand now through the Hubble telescope that there are universes upon universes, and most likely, given strand theory and our understanding of time and space, there are alternate universes that exist currently right now. You know, in an alternate universe, I'm becoming an atheist right now, and Jay's becoming a Christian. It just that that is an alternate universe that exists somewhere in all likelihood. Hopefully, we still have beer. I think there will be beer. Okay. Inevitably, there will be beer. <laughs> it is one of those inevitable things. But um, but my point being that that there, like you said, there comes a time in which they almost science and and theology or belief in God almost become one it's like a, it's like a diminishing returns where you can no longer find true zero there because you know even even the best learned scientists can't figure out what was beyond the big bang i mean it probably was shrinking and expanding again but that's that's kind of a best guess theory mm-hmm. and so to me that's where you are able to have one foot in both camps and say yes certainly the Big Bang happened and all life sprung out of a singularity and we are understanding more and more like dark matter and all these neutrinos and 
ridiculous scientific concepts that no one really understands, no. except for a handful of really nerdy people in the world <laughs> that that are highly intelligent, but you wouldn't want to have a beer with them. <laughs> but because they probably don't drink beer, they probably don't drink beer. It, was, it would kill their brain. Brain. <laughs> but I'm. Um, but. But, you know, so we continue to understand more and more, and it seems like the more and more we understand, the closer we get to to understanding that we'll never really understand it. Mm. And that's where it crosses over into divinity, in my opinion. So then let me ask you this, because then, uh, uh, you know, I think the, the kind of the opinion that both you and Ty are expressing here, which gives me, gives me hope for the future of, uh, <laughs> of uh, this particular conversation. Um, I think it's becoming more and more common from the religious community to really maintain that viewpoint that evolution and creation aren't these mutually exclusive conversations. In fact, the official stance of the Catholic Church is that evolution is how human civilization came to be, basically, um, and species and things of that matter. So do you guys get a sense in your particular generation of, of followers, of believers, that that will expand, that will proliferate? Do you feel like that, that particular worldview is kind of a, the, where they were, these siloed sort of conversations and tribal in nature uh, will kind of die off? Is it kind of an old way of thinking, or do you sense that it still kind of maintains in a younger generation? I think it's an an exposure thing to bring it back. It's um, kind of the same know, yeah, same I mean, issues, just regenerating. Well, it, it's the same issues based on outside influences. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if you choose to lock yourself in a bubble, um, you're going to get antiquated education. Sure. Um, if you choose to expose, I mean, thing things in our world are changing at such a rapid pace, and knowledge is so available at such a rapid pace. If you choose to block yourself off from that, you're going to find yourself five, ten, fifteen years behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's true in the church too. That mm-hmm. as soon as you expose yourself to a larger picture of thinking you start to very quickly realize how little you know Mm -hmm. and you dive into those things. Mm -hmm. So the people that are choosing to search that out, which I do, I do think that is more people. Um, Are you going to see that on as high level in a community like this? No, I don't think you are um, because of an exposure factor. Um, There are not people that are going to, very few people are going even to a theology school, uh, you know, where they're getting educated on that stuff, where they're seeing a bigger picture. And so that mindset stays very narrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I think across the world that that's changing? Absolutely. I think you'll see that influence happen. Uh, we just may be 10 years behind. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree with that. I think that it's absolutely about exposure. And uh, like we started, I I experienced that exposure when I left the city. And uh, again, I get, in the duality, both things can exist at the same time. I loved this town, while yet really understanding that it was holding me back in certain things. Um, and we are... We are like a decade behind, man. Yeah. We got like 80s, we got 80s music in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> it just kind of was that way. Um, so you still, are we supposed to be really into Limp right, Biscuit right, right now? Right now is Limp Biscuit, absolutely. <laughs> I, it's all for the nookie. The, the sad part about that statement is even at 10 years behind, Limp Biscuit would be out now. Like, that's 20 years ago. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that was I out mean, one of yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking. That's true. Yeah, That's so, one of the yeah. worst. I'm sorry, this is totally off topic. Uh, you know, but one of the worst things. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the worst things about like I, when I when I think of like ten years ago. To me, that's the '90s, right? You know, yeah. oh, it's, it's not. It's not, not really. It's not it's, and we're, it's almost like two decades after the '90s. Yeah. This yeah, I'm no math major, but I think you're right. I, I had <laughs> the utter panic 
on Super Bowl Sunday realizing two things. One, if you would have told me in high school that Justin Timberlake would still be making music, <laughs> and worse, that I would actually like it, I, oh, it's dude. terrible. Yeah, when you become a parent, you're like, oh, oh. I was singing. Oh God, yeah, I was singing along. <laughs> I was singing along to some ridiculous song on the radio. Like, oh man, this is a good song. I'm like, who is this? My wife says, "That's Taylor Swift." I'm like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> not true. So anyway, Thank from you. exposure point of view, we, <laughs> we we unfortunately have things like Taylor Swift and still Justin Timberlake, but. <laughs> On an international level, we do have a little bit more of a cultured response to the world around us, I think. Um, and, you know, it'll come. It'll come here. It'll come to our little backwater town, and, and that will be a good event when it happens. I'm not sure that you can force it. You know, I'm not no, sure you, well, you can just have conversations like this with as many people as you can, yeah. and that's it. Well, I, and I think on the Christian side of things, the reality of the fact is if we don't choose to become exposed and we don't choose to become educated, you are losing. I, you want to know why the church isn't working anymore? It's because of stuff like that. Right. Because yep. there's 10-year-olds that are on YouTube that have more knowledge than people leading congregations. 100%. And if that's the case, why would I go there? Mm -hmm. Like, if I'm going to challenge my worldview and challenge my belief in a divine being... Well, I'm gonna walk into a place that's a hundred years behind the time. Like you're, you're missing it completely. And so I think the reality is, we may not have ten years to figure this out. And I think there's enough people in the church, even in a community like this, that are gonna recognize that that it's not gonna be easy. But you are going to see that change start to take place. I think that also in in terms of exposure. I think that that's somewhat to do with generational um, understanding. I, my particular church has a lot of elderly folks in it. You know, and my I grandma know. goes to your church. Does she really? She does. Oh, well, she's probably a sweet lady. The sweetest. She's probably not really up on the things that we're talking about. No. And, and that doesn't make her wrong, but right. it does make her... Um, Behind the times, as you right. said, or she she isn't going. Her viewpoints aren't going to appeal to the the seventeen year old who's in high school right now, trying to find their way and trying to find an identity and a yeah. spirituality. And that doesn't make her wrong, and it doesn't make the seventeen year old wrong, but that does mean that there's a disconnect. Right. And so, uh, like you said, if we as a church want to try to um, grow and prosper, which essentially means try to help humanity be kinder to one another. If I was to boil Christianity down, we just want to be kind. We should just want to be kind. Then we're going to have to really step up our game on how we think about the world around us. And uh, there's definitely something to be said about taking science and all of the things that it can teach us. Look, Christians cherry pick all the time. We we look at the Old Testament and we think, well, I don't really think that people should do this, and I but I but I do think that this is true, and but that's certainly not true. But right. this particular passage from Genesis is absolutely true because it rained fire upon this <laughs> town, and the guy was turned to salt, so it's absolutely hundred percent true. But this other thing about stoning people, well, we won't. Yeah, let's not talk. So exactly, but I mean, we we really get caught up in things that aren't and aren't fit in with our worldview, yeah. and we have done forever, and that's why the Protestant Reformation happened. That's why the 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 um, Orthodox uh, split from um, you know mainland mainland Catholicism happened. All of these things happened because Christians realized that that something else was happening in the world and something new was going on and we need to recognize that. And I think that we are sitting in a time in which that is now occurring again in a major way. Um, and it's going to be interesting how it plays out within the Christian community because certainly mainland denominations are fading away. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We've had the conversation on this podcast that I hope and pray we see denominations become a minority that you see that whole trend fade away in our lifetime. Um, 
because I think it's antiquated as well. It is. Yeah, certainly so. And I, and me being a member of one, it, we either need to get with it or we're going to die. Yeah. But unequivocally. Yeah. We could, we could go off on a huge tangent here and Jay would just be <laughs> drinking himself into an oblivion over here. <laughs> you make it sound like it's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> and we do, we do have Girl Scout cookies too. Oh, so. <laughs> so, uh, hey, we're, I honestly actually have no idea what kind of time we're at, but we're at least over 45 minutes on yeah. this. So, yeah. Hey, Nathan, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Thank you. Uh, thank you guys it, for having me. I it's really, really appreciate it. Um, I mean, as a member of the community, seeing you two on different sides and uh, at least of this topic, faith topic, um, but then also talking about joining together to change a community. I, it, if other people and other communities can't latch on to that picture and what it can do to our nation and our country, um, they're missing the whole point of this. So I think this is a beautiful picture of what things can be. So sign us off, Jay. I feel like we have to like hug. We're like, this is a beautiful picture. <laughs> I mean, you guys have been almost making out all night. Yeah. But. We're sharing a microphone. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, already it's, intimate. It is. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I, before we sign off too, I just wanted to say thanks again for coming on. It was Absolutely. a fun conversation and you're, you're, you always, you always add a lot of intelligence to that conversation too. So yeah, thanks okay. again. I'm glad. So, again, you're listening to a Christian and an atheist walk into a bar. Uh, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can find our work at christianandanatheist.com, uh, where we try to bridge the religious divide one adult beverage at a time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.